which I didn't really think a governor had more power than a senator, but I guess it's a state senator. Oh, okay. So it's nothing. It's like it's like an honorary title. They run like a a couple mile radius. I don't know. So yeah, it's, it's, it's pointless. Got it. Okay. <laughs> I mean, Got it's it. Not that, it's not that powerful. Yeah, I will. Yeah, I will yeah, say yeah. That. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of I Finally Watched. I'm Alon. And this is David, and it's that wonderful time of year where we have both seen the movie. It's December, and we both are finally watching again. You were never really here. This was, I think, Alon, this was like the last one we chose to add into December. Um, yep. Because I, I think I just got reminded of this movie, and I was like, I, I messaged you, I was like, hey, I want to do this movie. And we had an open slot and you're like, oh, well, too bad I've already seen it. And I was like, what about December? And we both got really excited. I, I did forget how good it was. And then being like having wa- seen it once like four or five years ago, I've been like not remembering every plot detail. So when like certain things do come up, it surprised me as much as like when I did first see it. Yeah. And one thing I'll say is like, I think this is definitely a movie and it's an hour and 29 minutes, but this is a perfect example of a movie where I think multiple watches help because one, I didn't even consider it an issue. I actually just considered it more of like um, just part of the story is the story felt a little vague in places. Sure. Yeah. Like a, like a little half, not half baked, but just like incomplete almost, but it's actually just kind of subtle. Like, the way it, it gives you information. Part of that is the lack of dialogue. And then it's like the information is conf- conveyed in a different way. So you can't rely on dialogue to explain things. You have to like pick up the context in like action or things being moved around and stuff. Right. Um. So like I watched this. I'd say what maybe mid pan like mid 2020 during the pandemic or like maybe the year before i can't even remember i just saw it on prime i was like that's a very short run time that seems doable and even you know lately with this uh with the podcast and the new baby i am uh running up against the clock to finish the movie and i messaged you yesterday i was like yeah man i don't know and then i just started watching it and one this movie is so watchable um because it's 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 not a revenge movie, but it's like a, you know, I mean, it's semi like a John Wick storyline. Yeah, it's also kind of like a revenge movie. It's like a vigilante movie. In the end, it becomes sort of a revenge, but really just a guy like, I don't know, fixing his mistakes. Um, it's kind of it's, like, it kind of reminds me of The Killer, which recently came out. Uh, yeah, I mean, I guess. But my the style the style of this movie is what also just like, really keeps you engaged the fact that it doesn't just kind of go into these like really like kind of grotesque like beatings you know it's you were you were commenting to me about how you for you remembered it being more gory than it was and it's it's really not i remember it being way more gory and like way more violent and i think kind of the brilliance of this movie is the fact that it makes you look away from the gore and the violence and then it it kind of it kind of does that dangerous thing where it lets your imagination 
go with how gory or violent something could be. Um, and then it shows you like the immediate before and the immediate after of the gore and the violence. And I think that's like a really effective way to almost make it worse than what it could show. Right. Um, I think the best way to do this is to kind of get started. Um, and we can maybe have, if we have more global conversations during, but I like the opening, (laughs) by the way, you know, we joke all the time about how we do, um, very minimal like research and it's mostly just reading the IMDb facts. Well, I had time. So I actually read interviews and watched uh, Joaquin Phoenix and Lynn wow. Ramsey, the director interviews too, to try and get extra. I, they kind of repeated themselves a lot. So there wasn't much, but it, it, one thing it did is it like the way she saw the movie sort of like contextualized it for a little bit for me, because this movie is, it almost has like a, a drive feel to it where it's just like, as you said, cause there's very little dialogue. Oh, the, <laughs> the movie drive. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It, like it just like, it's so artistically done and yeah. like, it just allows the visuals to tell the story instead of someone explaining it to you. Although I think drive even does more explaining than this. Right. It um, does because drive has, has more characters where the protagonist interact with than this character does. Um, the other thing I was looking at is like, what else has Lynn done as far as like she wrote and directed this? So what else has she done? The only title that I recognized off of her IMDb was um, we need to talk about Kevin. Which we is need to t- we need to do. We need we, to talk about Kevin. We probably do. Have you seen it? No, I haven't. No, I haven't either. So, yeah, we probably do have to do that. But that's with Tilda Swinton and uh, he who shall not be named. Right. Uh, Ezra, I, they, think of, I was like, I they, couldn't think of Ezra Miller's name, but yeah, I don't have. They who shall it. not be named. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Get it but, right. but yeah, I mean, so um, that, that seems in, like that makes me want to watch it even more now because of, of watching this and being like, how is that similar? Or how is that like artistic style? Like, you know, put how's through? that because I'm pretty sure in that movie. Well, cause I'm pretty sure there's dialogue in that fucking movie. So I would think so. Um, so, one one aspect I like about this movie is it has to establish the backstory of Joe. And I, you know, the director talking about it, she's like, you know, I didn't want it spoon fed to the audience. I kind of wanted these fragments of memories to kind of be interspliced in the movie, kind of to be in Joe's brain about how yeah. he thinks about things and sees these things. And like, there's obviously some PTSD issues, right? Because, Yep. The 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 memories we get, you know, he was in the military, he's a veteran, but like those aren't even necessarily the worst memories he has, right? Which so like he, yeah. He has these childhood memories of his mom getting beaten, him presumably getting beaten, his dad making him put his head in a plastic bag and try and breathe with a plastic bag around his head, which he still does to this day. So okay, so I mean we can talk about it now, but I didn't I okay. Let's let me back up for a second. One, there was two military flashbacks, like two moments they kept flashing back to. And then the childhood moment was like a bunch of little moments altogether, but pretty much representing the abuse that his family had to go through from his dad. Um, What I loved about all of them is that it told an entire story in such little time um, that those flashbacks were on screen, like probably 
less than 30 seconds every time they showed up, but altogether told a whole thing. What that whole thing is, I think it will be interesting for you and I to go over in a second. But what I wanted to say is I don't think his dad made him put the plastic bag over his head when he was a kid. I thought that was a coping mechanism for him to deal with the abuse. And then it followed him into adulthood. Yeah, I agree. I think I agree that that's how the movie displays it a lot. I just remember in the beginning, his dad, like it was also his dad's voice counting too. Yeah. And it, to me, it kind of felt like the dad counting of like how long he had to be in there. But I could see, like I said, the movie's vague for the longest time. I thought, I thought that Angel and Moises may have been killed by Joe. Um, and then when I read a synopsis, oh. I realized that that's not how that went down. You think he went back? Because I because when it was showing them being killed, it was showing them being killed, and then it was showing uh, what's his face, the contractor guy being killed. Yeah, uh, and yeah, then I thought that yeah. was like, yeah, and then I thought that was like relevant, like that security service for the governor he they were doing all the killing yeah no i i mean that's what i took it at the end but i'm saying just the way the movie shows thing it's very it's very like quick quick cutting scenes you just see a guy holding a gun to these to the little boy in the dad's head angel and and moises or whatever um so like i think that's why it allows this movie allows a lot of like interpretation of how you see things um Yep. I, I let's I think we can talk about the memories now. The the other two and I one the other two memories are one and I don't know if this is after his military career maybe he was like a a cop or something or just a different part of it but he's like finding a tanker and they you know he's like telling people we need to go in now we need to go in now and then when they finally go in they just find a bunch of like dead I think it's mostly Asian women, girls and women. That's kind of what it was communicating, yeah. And I, like that that seems obviously fucked up the way it he's taking the pictures of like the four young asian like you know young adult girls and the way like he like their eyes kind of start like getting big and like they start crying and like choking up like the you know to kind oh, of like the, in his head yeah. yeah in the street and then it flashes back to that image of like that time that happened thought that was like very powerful the one i really want to talk about is like he gives this kid a candy bar yes and then another kid just comes up and kills this kid just to steal the candy bar. And this or the is like, candy bar. I think this is supposed to be Middle East, North Africa, something like like that. Um, yeah, and it shows like the guilt he carries around because of that incident. Absolutely, yeah. And the way that is shot, if you're, too, and it's kind of the way the rest of the movie is, but in a scene where you're seeing a, a child be murdered over a candy bar. That could like completely stop the movie if you like the if you do too much with it, if you focus too much on it. Right. But like, I don't know, just the way I think it was well, perfectly displayed in the movie to get the point across without just like completely stopping everyone. Like, wait, what the fuck am I watching? Like, what is happening? You know what I mean? Well, how they feed you this, too, is interesting. All the flashbacks, his childhood, the the tanker, the candy bar um, murder, how they feed it to you throughout is is like you don't know what you're watching and then when they finally give you that last piece of the puzzle you're able to connect it all together for the longest time for the candy bar thing all we saw were feet kind of twitching in the sand we didn't know if it was his we didn't know like he killed someone we had no context of it 
And then it was like, he shows the candy bar and then we're gone. We're back into like present day. He's killing some pedophile or whatever. And then later on when he's on a train or something, then we see the murder or we might even see the murder first. And then the candy bar given to her later, but it's enough context where once we put it all together, we understand that this dude has it's great because we understand why he does what he does, why he tracks down these people, why he has such like a, um, I don't want to sound weird when I say like a likeness for kids, but in a, in a good way. Um, well, do you but, remember the one, the one part where he tells the guy, the guy he grabs and puts in the car, he's like, I'm Mr. Rogers. And I thought that was pretty great. Cause it's like a guy who loves kids, but loves kids like in the right way. Yeah. yeah as no, opposed I to all these other. I didn't even notice that. I mean, I noticed that's what he said, but I didn't even like understand the context. But yeah, no. And 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 so for him to like, you know, we could even assume that the the dead Asians in the tanker were might some of them be children. So he has this like innate sense of justice where he has to like protect these kids because no one else is. And then it goes back to his childhood where he was a kid where no one was protecting him. Yep. Yeah. So. So the, it starts out with him breathing in the plastic bag and, you know, him counting and his father in his head. And then next we get the opening scene where he's like burning a little girl's picture, cleaning blood <laughs> off the camera, cleaning up all her stuff. We never see the victim. No. Or the assailant in this scenario. We also see him cleaning a hammer, yeah, a, yeah. a ball peen hammer, which comes up much, you know, why and, and, and his like weapon of choice. Yeah, he likes that one. Um, I it's interesting. So he throws all that stuff in the trash, and he, he then goes outside, and some guy tries to hit him with like a little yeah leather club yeah, or whatever. Kind of confused about that one. I don't know who that guy is because he he just headbutt. I love he headbutts him, and the guy's so dazed that it makes him throw up. <laughs> and yeah. Joaquin's look in this movie is fairly interesting because he just looks like pretty huge, right? But then, like he takes bulky. his shirt, yeah, bulky. But he takes his shirt off, and it's not as if he's like muscular and like cut, right? He's like a dude who, like, you know, he's buying drugs in the middle of this movie, right? He's a dude who's like having a really rough life, but is still like a dude not to be fucked with. Well, another thing that I felt like was being communicating communicated is that he has nothing to live for, right? Like he has he has all these except his mom, except his mom, but he he. <laughs> man he i just thought of the way the movie ended um so he he does all these drugs he does all these like asphyxiation things and it's probably all of him coping with the guilt uh, a movie character who's probably who's like needed a therapist more than any movie character i've ever seen in my life but he deals with these things the way he deals with it and it's almost like he doesn't care if he lives or dies while he's on these missions and because like the 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 force like the gravitational pull he has when he like goes into this these places it's not like he's wearing a bulletproof vest it's not like he even has a gun he just he's just going he has like a one track mind and it almost feels like if he dies during these things then fuck it he dies during these things right um so he he then goes to the airport he calls his handler i had to rewind because i was like does he is that the girl in the airport that's looking over at him? But I don't think it was because I went back and looked at the picture. I think it was just. Um, 
Yeah, I think it was just a random girl, but it was still like giving him a thing. And then I was like, so we don't even know if he got this little girl or if he just killed the guys who, you know, hurt this little girl. But when he gets in the cab to go to the airport, it says Cincinnati. And then later on, when he's talking to his handler, he's like, what's with all these fucking flowers? And he's like, oh, the the parents from Cincinnati are so happy. They're florists and they're so happy you got their girl back. Right. So it's just like, yeah, suddenly like explaining to you, like the, the plot, like the beginnings of this movie. Also, before he gets on the plane or to the airport after his you know he goes to a payphone and he he dials i guess his handler and he's like it's done and then hangs up so it's like whatever the mission was whether to get her back to beat up a couple guys he did it uh, mission accomplished yeah very yeah which i don't know how i guess she was in that city so he got her to her parents i like the way he's like leaving the hotel he sees the cops and he has to go out the back um he goes out the fire alarm so it like sets it off yeah so he then goes home. He lives with his mother lives with him. <laughs> he lives with his mother. No, my mom lives with me. <laughs> um, and I love like the back and forth about like watching Psycho and like, well, you watched a fucking scary movie. So I guess I'll stay with you for a little bit. Um, and you don't even get that. There's this kid who sees him going into his apartment until the next day um, when he like, it's like, Angel, your kid fucking saw me. You're done. Like you're done. Um, and on watching that the second time today, because I started the movie a second time, you realize Angel is one like, no, no, it's not a big deal because he doesn't want to lose the money. But the other thing is he doesn't want this guy to kill him. He's like, no, man, he didn't. He's just a stupid kid. Don't worry about it. And you actually like at one point, uh, Joaquin Phoenix says to him, like, don't don't yell at me, Angel. And he's like, he wasn't yelling. <laughs> like there was, He didn't raise his voice at all. But he's like, yeah. you know, just like the dynamic there is so funny. Another thing that's also so subtle, and this movie just bathes in subtlety, which I enjoy from a movie. Some people don't. Some people just don't get it, but they're not that smart. Um, what the fuck was that? <laughs> I have a problem with like things in movies that hit you over the head. I like subtlety. You know this about me, David. Um, and people who have been listening to us for a long time also know this about me. It's just, but, very, it's just a very pretentious way to say it, but it's Yes, fine. it is, and it's okay. It's okay with me. I'm okay with it. What I'm getting at is um, when Angel is, that's the name of the boy, right? Or the guy? Moises is the boy. Angel is Okay, the so when um, Joaquin Phoenix walks into the store and Moises is uh, stocking the shelves, uh, he sees Joaquin Phoenix and he keeps dropping the cans. And I was like, damn, this guy is just shit at his job. But what it is, is that he he already knows, right? He already knows he saw him. He already knows what he does. And he already knows who he is. So when he walks in and he starts dropping the stuff, it's just like he's fumbling. He's, his mind is just like, fuck, fuck, fuck. So he's dropping all these cans. But instead of like doing all this, he's just dropping. It's so great. He's just nervous. And it shows that really well. I um. It's also like, Moses, why did you fucking light up? To, like you had to hit your lighter to show your face like just don't do that <laughs> it's also weird that they live like right behind his mom well, i think it's his no it's his girlfriend he was like at a he said his friend or a girl or whatever because he tells he's like come on let's go inside and she's like what so he just happened to be there um it's okay it's, so it's even more amazing that joaquin phoenix recognized him from that distance then well it's because he lit up and i think even joaquin phoenix is like this is you know, my mom here, I'm trying to keep her safe because, you know, I'm dealing with a lot of like fucking bad people. And he's like completely right. That's the thing that ends up, you know, getting him. And he he tells Angel he's out. And then his handler, uh, McCleary, is like, you know, you could just 
deal directly with me. And I'm also of like the same mind of like, yeah, I don't understand because you're dealing with them right now. Right. So why is it that some meetings you have to just have this guy who you pay a certain amount of money just to be there? Like it doesn't, that part doesn't, it's, I don't know that you could explain it well enough to make sense to me. Maybe it just does. Like in that world, maybe it's like some hitman is watching the movie. They're like, yep, I get it. But it's like a middleman for your middleman. So that's why it doesn't make sense to us. Because why do you need a middleman for your middleman? By the way, we skipped over it. But the, the, you know, this, the moments with his mom, the night he gets home are very sweet. And then the next yeah. day. What? Well, I just thought of it. I just thought I, we answered our own question. Um, on why do you need a middleman for a middleman? Because when it came to Nina, he did deal with him directly and all that, they tracked him right back down to his place, right? But maybe if you have like a third person you're dealing with, it's harder to to track him down to the main guy. They got that information from Angel. Because Angel's son knew where he lived. Okay, I'm I'm processing it. Okay. That's why his mom's dead. Okay. So that's what I'm saying. He's like, that's why he's like, he was right to be scared. But the stuff with his mom, the first night is very sweet. The next morning, she's like getting water everywhere. He's got this knife that he keeps like pretending to hold over his head. And then like he keeps throwing at his foot and moving out of the way, like showing he kind of has these like, like you said, this, I don't really care if I live or die mentality right now. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um. So I think we can move back up to basically where McCleary tells him, hey, I have a new thing for you. It's worth 50K, State Senator Votto. You have to find his daughter. Um, and he's even talking, he's talking about how like this money will be enough for him to take the boat out again. Yeah, she's the way he describes it to her, to him. He's like, well, she's been running away. She's been running away. This is like the longest period where he hasn't heard back from her. This is where I feel like, and maybe I'm reading way more into the story, but I, I guess it's a good time to talk about it now because this, this movie is short and compact. So if it's okay with you, I'd like to talk about kind of the, the whole. Uh, I mean, we're basically at the end. So talk about what you want. Getting Nina back. Okay, cool. So he's a senator, right? Nina's father. State Senator from New York. State Senator, right. Um, His handler puts him in contact with him. And he says, okay, our anonymous text came through and gave gave us this address, gave us this lead. And then that's essentially where he goes and he finds her. Right. Now, isn't that weird? that he gets an anonymous text of an address. Like who sent that text to him? That Well, that's fake. Exactly. Okay, cool. So we're on the same page as that. Cause he, the dad, basically what I'm getting at is, did I misunderstand this? Or the dad basically sold his daughter to the governor and then he felt guilty. And then, so he sends this guy to get his daughter back. And then he's so rattled with guilt that he's done this. He kills himself. But he, I guess he figures that his daughter's probably better off with this guy free than under the governor's thing. And then that's why he just, he offs himself. I thought the governor's guys killed him, killed the senator, and made it look like a suicide. So, 
I, I think in the movie, I think it's a very easy interpretation that he was killed and didn't commit suicide. Because the one agent's like, Vado stopped wanting to go along or whatever. I think that's a possibility. Uh, but there is like a flashback, and it's a weird flashback. It's from Joaquin Phoenix's point of view that he's imagining the senator killing himself. Yeah, and he's I, not. And he's not omnipotent. No, I know he's not omnipotent, but it's what it's the only thing that the movie shows us. So if you decide to also take that into, you know, as truth, you could just say, oh, you know, he just he just killed himself because of the guilt. But if you're allowed to use your outside brain and your knowledge of how the mob works, they killed him. <laughs> is it the mom? Well, so there's a book. This is based on a novella, um, and it's more spelled out in that. One, the senator, it's spelled out that the senator sells his daughter to the governor. I, and, I, I got that. And the mob. And that in the book, um, Vado's actually doesn't commit suicide. Joe kills him in the end because um, he's like at the mansion. At his I kind of like that. Yeah, I, I have to read the book now for sure. Um, so I think to me, like, because the governor having these guys who can just fucking go around, who run the police force, who can do all this is like there has yeah. to be mob involved. Like, it doesn't make sense otherwise. But, you know, it's not spelled out in the movie, but... I was trying to explain this to to, to Taylor. She was like, how how are the police, like, like going along with this? And I was like, power, money, and corruption. And it's like, it's like the governor, which I didn't really think a governor had more power than a senator, but I guess... It's a state senator. Oh, okay. So it's nothing. It's like it's like an honorary title. They run, like, a, a couple mile radius. I don't know. So yeah, it's, it's, it's pointless. Got it. Okay. <laughs> I mean, it's, it. not that, it's not that powerful. Yeah, I will, yeah, I will yeah, say yeah. that. Um, right. I do want to say the part where Vado's like, uh, McCleary said that you're brutal. And he's like, I can be. He's like, I want you to hurt them. Um, which is also partly probably like, you know, I don't want, you know, if you hurt them, like maybe this is less of a chance that's coming back on me. Like, I, I want you to hurt them is like, I want you to kill them. Um, and then it's just him going to get supplies. Uh, we already talked about the flashbacks, but like he gets his hammer he goes to this one guy who I was like, what is he going to this? But I, the director was talking about how when Joaquin Phoenix is like waiting on the guy, he's like, you're 20 minutes late. And the guy tells him to just, you know, hold his fucking horses. And he hits the guy and says, don't make me late. That that's a drug yeah. dealer. And he's getting drugs from. Oh, him. OK, OK. And she said I'm... that that Joaquin just did that on his own. Like, was just like, this is like would make sense, like because of how angry of a person I am. And like, you know, you're messing with my fucking time. Yeah. Um, no, I liked it. I liked it. Let's talk about the ball peen hammer for a second. Um, it, did you get that? It was the it was the weapon that his dad used on his mom and him. Yeah, because wasn't it like on the ground in a flashback, like when she was hiding on the table. Yeah. And then you could see like bruises all down his legs. Like, yeah. And and for him, it's so great, right? Because he was abused as a kid. So now he he takes out all his aggression on a abusers of children with the same weapon that he was abused with. Oh yeah. It's poetic. Right. Um, I love, uh, this is one of my favorite scenes besides like the end scene or the, you know, the last little bit of the movie, but you know, he's doing this long stakeout. I love the camera work of basically the cameras attached to this front door. He opens the door, opens the back door. The camera never moves. You just hear him go talk to this kid and grab him. And then ask him for information. And the kid's like, please don't kill me. And he's like, just fucking tell me what I need to know. 
Like, that's not, I'm not making a deal with you. Just tell me. Yeah, so, he asked them, is like, is there one security guy or two? And he's like, two, where, floor one, floor two, where do they where's, keep the girls? Where's the, where's the playground? He's like, what does playground mean? He's like, where the fucking girls are, man. Um, I, and this is something that happens twice, so we can talk about it now. But like, the idea of using the surveillance cameras and like, specifically in, in the end, like not even showing the violence really. Mm-hmm. I think is like kind of a masterful touch for this type of movie. Oh. Um, it apparently was actually a little bit more practical. She like she wanted to do it this way, but it was also the practicality of she's like, I had a day and a half to shoot, so I couldn't choreograph this big fight scene. And I think it makes the movie so much better. It makes the movie so much better. And, and the way it's done too, where the security cameras are on a cycle yeah. and, and nothing breaks that cycle. Like it's the same cycle. And so when Joaquin Phoenix walks up these three floors to get the girl, um, you see the aftermath, the before, and then sometimes the during and the during is so funny because as he's like beating the shit out of this guy with the hammer, it cuts out in the middle of it and like goes away. I, I just love it so much. You know, it's also great, too. He is walking her out and there's a guy, I think one of the Johns basically standing in the way. Yeah. And he tells her to close her eyes and she doesn't which like foreshadows her like not being scared of the violence and like kind of foreshadows the ending of her doing it on her own. Um, and then like, there's this, there's this, they get out, she hugs him and starts to kiss him. And she's like, no, like, he's like, no, no, that's not what this is at all. And she says, I'm taking you home to your dad. And like her reaction is just of like, all right, so just great. Like, I'll just be right back into this. You know what I mean? Like, did you, did you get that her dad also sexually assaulted her? Um, he might have the governor the governor and her dad kind of look similar so when it was showing them i was kind of getting confused on who was who i mean it's definitely po- like if you if you're willing to sell your daughter into sex slavery i don't think it's that far of a leap to say that you might also have sexually assaulted her yeah. um do you know what movie they were watching at the hotel <laughs> oh um oh shit i was paying attention and i forgot what what movie the Shawshank Redemption. The Shawshank Redemption. Yeah, it's the scene where he's describing Mexico, and like Red's just like, "You're never getting out of here, bro." Um. So, as they're watching that, the news breaks, or she changes the channel, and then it's the news of her dad killing himself. Yep. Um, and, and then it's like a what the shit moment, you know. And then they hear the door opening, and you just see the guy from downstairs who you saw when he was walking in. And then his head just explode and blood all over Joaquin. But you don't see that. You just see the blood. Yeah, it's so great. <laughs> um, and then this how he gets out of this, you know, he gets shot in the face, which you don't even realize because it's so kind of up close. I didn't I, I, I didn't know that. Well, he says to McCleary on the phone. Well, at, McCleary's already dead. He says to McCleary's answering machine, I got shot in the face. He pulls a bullet out at one point and then his face is completely bruised up for like the rest of the movie. I thought he pulled um, a tooth. Okay. Well. Um, and the way he kills the guy by I think 
breaking his neck and you just see it from first of all the fact that there's a mirror over this bed this is like a sleazy fucking one hour uh, uh you know one hour rate hotel yeah with the mirror over the bed and they she uses that to show the fight which is just once again so cool yep um and then he goes to his handler's house carefully through the back we see blood he then and this is all happening so quick he then goes to his handler's office and you see his handler like I don't know, his hands must be stapled to the desk or whatever, and his fingers are being cut off one by one, and he's dead. And at the same time, we see Moises and Angel killed. Get killed. Um, I love that, too, because he's sitting in front of his handler, and his handler looks alive, right? Because she, he's sitting in, like he's sitting upright in his desk, but there's just all this blood everywhere. So you know, you, you, you know what happened. Um, the other thing, too, is that at this point of the story, when he goes to his mom's house and I love his reaction, like how, I mean, I love his reaction, but it's so good. Like his, his acting is so good that he, when he looks through the bedroom window of his mom and he sees his mom dead, we don't know that yet, but he kind of like bends over and has like this moment that, and then he gets up and he goes through uh, into the house and then when he goes back into the bedroom, we see his mom dead. Um, man, but yeah, no, the the whole thing, the, the way it all. And then you realize they're still in the house and you're like, oh, fuck, shit's going to go down. And the flashback where his mom's warning him to be quiet. Yeah, yeah. I'd like to have seen like a creak in the stair. I would have liked to have seen like a creak in the stair that he didn't know was there when he was a kid, but then like he remembers it when he's an adult, so he skips over that step or something. Last few movies, you've been doing this thing where you're like rewriting the mid podcast. Right? Just little details. This is what they should have added. Um, he shoots them both, and then the one guy like kind of crawling away, and I, um, you know, he's like, "Was my mother?" He first asks him what's going on, and he explains like, "Oh, you know, with Governor Williams, she's his favorite." And um, Votto wanted out. And then he asked, you know, was my mother afraid? And he was like, she was sleeping. Cause like, I don't, I don't know what any other answer would have gotten you, but it would not have been good. Like you're already going to die, <laughs> but might've been more painful. Yeah. Well, when he asked him like, did you kill my mom or did the other guy kill my mom? And I was like, well, you're, he's just going to say the other guy. It doesn't fucking matter. Um, the singing together and then holding hands as he died. I like thought, I was like, it's a very interesting thing to add in. And apparently it's just something Joaquin did. Like that wasn't like in the script or anything. Just something he was like, oh, this, this seems like a good thing to add. Well, singing, and I, singing and song kind of takes place throughout the movie and in different ways, you know, kind of um, communicating his mental state in a way. There's the one part where he's singing in the mirror and then there's just the other huge dude in the sauna behind him. Yeah. And I was like, why? Like, are we just supposed to get something from that? Or is it just like the way it, I don't know. I don't think there was any like, just a sauna, man, just a yeah, sauna right? where yeah. dudes can be naked in front of each other. Don't think. Well, I did think the one way you could look at it too, is like, you know, that's a huge fucking dude behind him. And he sees Joaquin singing and he's like, he's sort of like put off by Joaquin, but also like, I don't want to mess with that guy when dude, he's like he's, twice he's Joaquin's size. Not only that, but do you see the scars on on Joaquin Phoenix? They're yeah. like deep and massive and grotesque. And they're like, there's different ones. Like, 
the makeup on this is amazing too. Like the way they did the scars is absolutely terrific. But when they did the the scarring, not only were they well done, obviously, but not only were they big and jagged, but they were aged all differently. Like some have them been there for years and then some have been there for weeks. And the way they did that was so good. Yeah. So he takes his mom to bury her in the lake and he's also going to kill himself with, with rocks in his pockets. But then he remembers Nina and decides to get out. And I just imagine walking in a full suit, a wet, full, a full, fully wet suit. Like all he had to walk all the way back to the car is like <laughs> uncomfortable. Um, also, when they shot that underwater, it was very like ethereal. It was like, there's no way the lake was that deep, but the way they did it, they wanted to like, show you know that his turning back point was was far and away this happened to me the first time i watched it and it happened to me again because i forgot because in my head even in my head the first time i watched this i was like he has to go back for nina and i was like not paying attention to the runtime or anything i was like the story has to be he has to go back for nina and so it never occurred to me that he was prepared to end his own life at that moment in the lake. But like you said, then he sees Nina like a, um, uh, what do you call it? Uh, mirage? Better word for it. But he sees her and then he's like, oh, fuck. <laughs> I, got, I got to save the girl. And then it gives him a little bit of a reason to live for, like a little longer. Yeah. And this is, I think, then probably you're in my favorite part, him walking. You know, he follows the governor. First, I always in any movie now, when I see a, a car following another car scene, I was like, he's been following you for what, an hour? Like, how do you not notice this guy driving? You, you can also see that there's a car following him kind of midway through the movie. I Yeah, I, I noticed that, too. But I. I don't know if that's purposeful or not, or if just because this was like a kind of a lower budget movie and it's just a thing that got in there. You know what I mean? So I don't know. But one thing I did notice is that the way they were like, this is the governor's car is like government plates. Mm -hmm. and the government plates are orange and the car that ended up behind him for quite a bit in the movie, their plates were also orange. So I, I felt like there was a connection there. We sure wasn't like yellow, like New York plates. No, they were like they were like orange front back plates. Okay, um, and this is my favorite part though, where he just is walking through the grounds. You, it's like the way it's cut. You then see like different guards that have been taken out, which just walks straight up into where he thinks the the governor is, and you see the governor's just his throat has already been cut. I mean, that whole yeah. bit is just so amazing. And the way the he kind of scoffs when he already sees the governor dead. Yeah. Um, the way that's set up too is because right before this, it shows the governor like setting up the playhouse, like the, the dollhouse and the furniture in the dollhouse, the pillows, like the little details of a girl's room, which it's like, you know, he's setting this up to, you assume that he's had multiple underage girls in this, in this place. Right. Right. Um, that he's alive and well. And so when you do this, you, like him, expect a alive and well guy, governor there. Um, and then he breaks down and cries, which I think is so cool because he was like, damn, 
it, it's pointless. Like I, it's it's all pointless. My existence is pointless. Like I should have never really been here. I don't think that's the reason it's called that, but I like your take. <laughs> Thanks. Um, I I love when he goes downstairs and finds her just eating the the governor's blood still all over her fingers. The the yeah. blade still there that she used. Um. The, the this is a, I guess a good as time as any to bring this up, but the horror music that's playing throughout this this scene, like reminds me of just how amazing the music is in this, like the score of this. And so Johnny Greenwood did this, and he's also done The Master, which has an amazing score that we've talked about, oh, and okay. Inherent Vice, which also um, has an amazing score. The, the score really adds to this and like the horror elements that's like so apparent in the part where he's walking around the mansion on the way down. And like <clears throat> they also have these like two sort of old timey songs playing one as he's walking into the governor's mansion. But then before in the scene when he's walking to go save Nina the first time um, and those choices, I just I think were also just kind of added to the like just to the overall feel of the movie and like, I don't know, just elevated it, obviously. Did we um, ever do Inherent Vice on the podcast? No, I think we watched that for, I watched that for um, Steve's. I don't think we've done it. Yeah, we can still do it based on our new it. rule. Yeah, our, our new rule now is if we've watched it since we've uh, started the podcast, it's allowed. Except for December where anything goes and we can do whatever we want. <laughs> <laughs> there are no rules and the points are made up um so they get out of there the scene in the diner i think is pretty is a pretty great end to it i don't i mean just the fact that he he you know she runs off he shoots himself in the head you see all these people just reacting as if it doesn't even matter that this guy killed himself right so you know it's fake but the yeah. symbolism of like he doesn't matter it doesn't matter that he died and then Nina comes back and he's just asleep. And it's like this this girl that he saved, there's like there's hope between them, right? Because she had no hope in her family where her parents are dead and you know, who'd want to even live with her dad anyway after what he did? And then like him, who's like just had nothing to live for for years and his mom was just executed. Um yeah. and then just the last line of let's go, it's a beautiful day. Like I I think sometimes <laughs> people like movies that would end this way you'd be like oh that's hokey for like the way this is going but this movie is so dark even in not showing a lot is so dark yep i think the ending works and, and i i love that too like everyone is just going about their day like like a dude didn't just <laughs> commit suicide in the middle of a cafe in the middle of the day but the the like the cherry on top is the waitress coming by to his table, puts the receipt, puts the check down and she's like, okay, have a nice day, sir. Yeah. Yeah. Everything's uh, just covered in blood. (laughs) I think it's, it's a very perfect way to end that. Um, No, it's fantastic because it's about guilt and hope and, and leaning on each other. It's, it's yeah. And like you said, them both, separately don't have a chance in the world but together you know they they can support each other i'd like to see a spin-off of this it's a tv show probably like made by like amc or something 
it's Joaquin Phoenix and the girl, and they're just going like from town to town killing pedophiles. Be great. Yeah. So, um, you know, normally we do like some, you know, who else could have had this part? I guess, uh, she just wanted Joaquin for this. And there's this cool part, like story that they both tell where she wanted him. And he was like, you know, I've been looking for a new project. I'm interested in yours, but I have so many things lined up. And he had just done what sister's brothers, sister's brother. I always get confused where the plural is or if there is a plural. And he had something else lined up and he's like, it fell through. And he's like, Hey, can we film this? this summer, which was two months from now. And she was like, yeah, I'll make it happen. And so they filmed it in 29 days, uh, two months after he was like, I'll do it. Um, which is why like they had to make decisions about like how to show, you know, certain things because they didn't have enough time. I, um, I mean, the execution is great. And you know, the saying like, like great art is made under restrictions. Like, you know, you, if you're too, like, if you have an unlimited, bu- and we've seen this before in movies, right? If you have an unlimited budget and an unlimited time, then, you know, you diddle daddle away, you know, at, at what you could. But if you're under certain restrictions, then it, it pushes you to be more creative and to be more decisive. Also, I, I believe, and I, I think we've said this on the podcast before, but Joaquin Phoenix is probably one of the best actors of our generation. You know, after I was doing my research, I just started to then try and answer a question watching interviews of like, how weird really is he? Mm. Because he sort of has this aura about him now. And so I watched like a Jimmy Kimmel interview and I was like, oh, he seems more like into it. But a lot of the like the print interviews I was reading, it's like they'd ask him a question and he just like, oh, I don't know. Oh, I don't know. Yeah. Someone asked him about the movie Drive, uh, which obviously like like we I brought up earlier, right? Um, yeah. He's like, what is that? I don't know. And he's like, oh, it's this the Ryan Gosling movie. He's like, oh, I've never seen it. You know what I mean? Like, and his entrance into acting was really funny too, because someone asked him about like all these things he had watched. He's like, he's like, I actually never watched anything. I my mom like worked in television and I did a little bit of acting when I was young. And I wanted, I was like, yes, I like doing this. I'm gonna continue to do this. Rather also than his his brother too was like a huge actor. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, but they started around the same time. Yeah, everyone, River Phoenix, yeah. But my his like the point he was like the interviewer started making was like, you know, most people get into this because they watch TV and movies and are like, I want to do that. And he's like, yeah, that just wasn't wasn't me. Yeah. Um, he he's just like it, it it to me it makes me wonder like is he just sort of an odd guy, which I think is probable or. Is it he's just like he's been doing this for so long. He's had obviously these like tr- this tragedy in his family that he just like doesn't want to give anything in interviews now. You know what I mean? I can and see I- that, too. I can see that, too. I mean, look, I, I was really happy when when they when he won the Oscar for Best Actor for Joker. Um, I just wish it wasn't Joker. I just, I just it felt like it, was, it could have been anything else. It was really funny. He was being interviewed like when you were really never really here came out and they're like, you know, like obviously you never do something like a Marvel film. And he's like, well, I would never say like, he was like, I would never say never, you know, if the story interests me <laughs> and it's just like a couple of years later. Yeah. Um, this, this movie, I, I like movies like this where I had heard nothing about this. And like, you keep seeing the poster 
and you see like it has an interesting title and you're like what's that about and it's like this is a guy who rescues women you know young girls who have been who are trapped or whatever and you're just like oh that sounds like that would be good and then you watch it and you're sort of blown away by something that you didn't even know about and this is like one of those to me where like i just sort of discovered it i kept seeing it on amazon i was like let me watch that because like there's a ton of shit on streaming services so to find this one like yeah. was like really great to me and i'm like glad we finally got to talk about it this came out in 2017 and i saw it not too long after it came out and i feel like i saw it because it was showing a trailer like um i also did not know this that it's an amazon original like it's produced through amazon yeah i think um, they helped they helped finance it and then um yeah so then it's just on their streaming service forever which is kind of yay but it's kind of weird that this kind of movie right is an Amazon original movie because if you think of other Amazon things you think of more mainstream stuff so uh, you have that but also I think I've seen this advertised as I was watching an Amazon original show and then they were playing this like before the show starts and I think that's what like put it on the radar for me I think I must have seen it like I was living in Atlanta so it was either 2017 18 or 19 um but it was at the same time where I watched a lot of these, like, um, I think it was maybe the same year I watched Drive. Like I was in that in that mode. You hadn't seen Drive until then? Yeah, I don't think so. Or or maybe it's just like another like uh, noir Joaquin Phoenix thing. We've already done a Drive episode, so I don't have to talk more about it. But <laughs> Well, everyone, thanks for listening to another episode of I Finally Watched. This is David. And this is Alon, and we finally already watched and now sing again. You were never never really really here. here.